And we're live. I'm Mike Lewis. I'm here with David Lafferty, D.W. Lafferty of wherepeteris.com. This is the Critical Catholic. And David and I are returning this week. Last week, I was I was out on bereavement leave. My dear sister Kate passed away. And thank you for your prayers. Thanks for praying for her and holding down the fort with Brett Salkold talking about the nature, the psychology of conspiracy theories. Today, David and I are going to talk about two uh, two issues that are pressing in in our church today. One of which is vaccine conspiracy theories, which are which are still raging. It's interesting because I went to actually went to mass this evening. Went to the five p.m. mass at at my parish, and they've started to relax the um, in in my state and my county. They've started to relax the restrictions. And it's sort of like masks are masks are optional, but not required. And a lot of it, and it's like if you're fully vaccinated, you don't need to mask, but you still can. And and so I think we're kind of in an interesting, you know, mainstream society. I think you could say is in an interesting phase, at least where we are, in easing out of the restrictions. But obviously, there's a a huge contingent of people who don't believe in masks, don't believe in the vaccine, people who are not wearing masks, and uh, even though they have not been vaccinated. And I think it could be argued that you're being dishonest if the requirement for, for the unvaccinated, wherever you are, is to wear the mask. Anyway, David, how, how are things in, how's Canada doing? How's Ottawa? We're, we're a little behind you guys. So we're watching, you know, seeing what kind of chaos you're going to go through. Um, Cause I think that'll be a preview of what we're going to go through. Um, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to be in Ontario and we have a, a premier Doug Ford, who it's funny because he's actually uh, a conservative. A lot of people saw him as a populist conservative is a bit along the lines of like a, you know, Canadian version of Donald Trump. Um, yeah. He's the brother of the notorious Rob Ford, uh, the mayor of Toronto, who became a uh, sort of proto-Trump uh, like a while back. Um, but you know what? He, I got to give it to Doug Ford. He uh, he's been taking the the pandemic extremely seriously, and I can t- I mean I can tell that you know he's made mistakes at times. Maybe um, like it's nobody's perfect, but I can tell that he really feels the weight of the moral responsibility. He doesn't want people to die unnecessarily on his watch. And I, I got to say, I respect that a lot. So I know he gets a bit of flack from both sides, you know, from people who think he's being too strict and from people who think he's being not strict enough, but I think he's actually done a, a decent job. So and I got to hand it to him. What's the church situation like where you are? Right now, we're still under a stay-at-home order, so we're it's still technically, I believe, a state of emergency. So people are not going to church right now. Like the, it's extremely uh, tight limits on how many people can be in a space at the same time. But I, I'm optimistic that things are going to open up really soon. So because um, the because of this lockdown, the cases have been going down. Um, you know, things are getting better. We avoided the the catastrophe that almost happened with our, um, you know, emergency uh, wards and things like that. So I'm, I'm optimistic that that people will be heading back to church soon. I think it, it'll take a little time though, because we've got, you know, a lot of people in Ontario now have the first shot of the vaccine. Not that many people have the second shot. Um, so over the summer, I think we're going to be back in church, hopefully. Um, it's, But it, it'll probably be with masks and, and that sort of thing. So we may, it may be more like in fall, we're actually going to face, yeah. you know, like some of the stuff that you guys are going through right now, but, but things are going okay. Yeah. Things are going okay. Yeah. I think one but, of the things I'm, I'm finding some difficulty because it's like, you know, so I, I went to mass and my wife went earlier and I took three of our kids, our three older kids uh, with me this evening. And obviously they haven't been, been vaccinated. Um, my two sons are now old, old enough to get the vaccine. Um, and there are a couple of locations nearby, but we haven't we haven't done it yet. But it's kind of like one of those things where it's like my kids are wearing masks. I don't want to sit, you know, I don't want to show off <laughs> that I that I don't have to, um, I you know. But then again, it's like I some some people, um, you know, I, I hear uh, Patrick Coffin use the term virtue signaling, 
a lot. Like, you know, you're doing this thing just to show you're a good citizen. But then again, I think we do need people in the community to give to give that example. Yeah, um, I mean, I, to me, it's 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 not virtue signaling. It's kind of showing solidarity, you know, so, you know, like we're all in this together. It's an inconvenience to wear a mask, but hey, let's do it for each other. And even if even if we are technically, you know, fully vaccinated, if we're in a context where you might stand out for being unmasked, not a big deal to have to throw a mask on, I don't think, you know, like, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm actually like kind of easygoing about it, but it, but it became such a, a fraught political thing that um, the, the dividing line between the masked and the unmasked is now such a, a, a tense, uh, you know, site of conflict. And that's, uh, that's, it's too bad, but um yeah. Well, why don't you um, why don't we start out with the prayer and then we'll, sure, we'll sure. give an overview of the two main topics, which I said I was going to do, but then I didn't. And then uh, and then we can get into the conversation. So. Sure. So we'll just do the uh, the prayer that we, we normally say at the beginning of, of every episode um, in the name of the Father, of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, please guide us in our discussion. Help us to dispel confusion, to discern fact from fiction, and to cleave to the truth. Allow us to contribute to the creation of a healthy Catholic media culture. Amen. 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 So, so the, oh, sorry, oh, well, I was going to say the two things that we were going to talk about today. Um, one of them it kind of relates to the to this idea of of these conspiracy theories that are going on. Um, how they how they're affecting people in their everyday lives, how people have really been, um, you know, normal people have been pulled into the influence of these conspiracy theories. And, and then the second thing that uh, the second issue that will probably be the bulk of our conversation uh, will be about Father James Altman, the uh, the lacrosse uh, diocese priest who uh, made quite a name for himself during the election season and has continued uh, to become a bit of a folk hero, a bit, bit of a public figure, and I think, I think one could say, predictably and inevitably, and almost, and it was almost overdue. Uh, I mean, given the way these sorts of things usually go, he was um, asked to step down by his bishop and then uh, removed from the administration of his of his parish. And he's it's yeah. it looks like he's planning to go through the canonical fight, so he's still technically the pastor but he's been any he, and he'll fight that for about a year i guess and and in the meantime they're gonna uh a, a poor guy uh, whoever it is is going to be asked to uh administrate the parish um in his stead and then um and then presumably when father altman is is removed as pastor then you know a, a pastor will be appointed for his parish at that time um yeah. But anyway, what, why don't um, we start? Sure, I, yeah, I, I want to start um, just by saying, you know, welcome back. Um, you were away last week because um, your your older sister passed away, and um, you had mentioned um, that in your in your article. Uh, it was a really beautiful article that you wrote about her for where Peter is, and I encourage people to to look it up if you can. Um, you mentioned that uh, she had congenital heart problems from a, from an early age and, and, and oh, that's yeah, what from, happened from birth, basically. from birth. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's, that's what, uh, that's why she was hospitalized, uh, because, because of this, uh, this heart problem. Um, and, uh, while, um, you were away, um, and, you know, getting through this, getting through the, the grieving process, um, you you received a message in your your Twitter direct direct message. It was actually the same day. It was, uh, it was you know same day. I had been posting. You know, my sister was very active on social media, especially with family members, and my my other brother and sister were as well. So, um, you know, we have a we have a big follow. You know, it was it was the best way to get. You know, once the immediate relatives have been told. You know, I didn't know all of her friends. I didn't know her coworkers, but she was Facebook friends with them. So it was sort of I was keeping the updates, making them public on, you know, on my Facebook page, tagging her, tagging my other siblings so that as many people as possible could find out. 
Yeah. So, yeah. And then, so you received this message, which, uh, you know, it shocked me a, a, a little. And, and when, when I saw it, um, can I, would, do you have a, you have yeah, a copy of it, I believe. That, that yes. Yeah. Okay. Here it is. I, I'm just going to read it. Um, so and we keep in mind, say, this is from someone I had never met before, never yeah. heard of, never had a conversation. And this was his opening message to me. It's opening message to you. So he says, Mike, many of us are wondering, had your sister received the COVID vaccine in the recent months? I'm sorry to be so blunt. However, there is much speculation about side effects of the COVID shot and death seems to be a common denominator. So, I mean, this is kind of incredible. Um, I mean, first of all, there was no sorry for your loss or, yeah. uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I'm sure you're going through a difficult time. It was just sort of some of us, whoever us are, want to know uh, why your sister died. And, and, and yeah. does it fit our conspiracy theory? Um, exactly. I, and, and the fact that he says, you know, many of us are wondering, you get the feeling like there was some kind of group message thing going on where, you know, he, this person and, and a bunch of other people, presumably, I'm, I'm thinking they're all Catholics, they're all, um, you know, people who know each other and are into the same sort of uh, <laughs> conspiracy theories about yeah. the vaccine. And they were like discussing this, you know, while you've been going through this, they've been, you know, in the background thinking, oh, it was it was this the COVID vaccine? Is that what caused it? I gotta find out. I gotta, you know, so they maybe assigned this guy to 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 Yeah. To I mean, I don't know the story, but you know, it obviously well, first of all, <laughs> my initial response, um I guess I don't know if you you would say it was charitable, but it was um I I believe the first lines, the first words were how dare you. Um <laughs> you know and and, and I didn't, you know, I didn't use foul language, but it was basically like, you know, the nerve of you to, to just ask, you know, just barge into my, to my, um, direct messages. I don't know you and demand to know, demand to know the correlation between my sister's death and the, and the vaccine. Um, I mean, the nerve of the person. And, and then I, well, so then the thing is, I wound up clicking on his profile and um, based on his geographical location, and we did have a, a handful of mutual friends, um, I, I, I suspected, you know, and, and I could tell he was Catholic from his profile. Um, I guess he was one of my, one of my brothers, uh, my brother's a priest, one of his parishioners from his old parish from an old parish he used to serve at um and so i mean i was in shock you know i i texted this this image to my brother and i was like do you know this guy and he didn't text me back i think well you know we were making funeral arrangements and he didn't respond to that one but when i finally saw my brother a day or two later when we you know were doing funeral preparations it's like do you know this guy and he's like yeah i I, I mean, I haven't talked to him in a few years, but he's, um, he's from my old, uh, he's from my old parish and, you know, and I was like, well, like, you know, and he's like, well, you know, he's, he's actually a nice guy. Uh, and you know, I don't, I don't necessarily doubt it. I mean, people have to get through society somehow, but it's like something in the past several years has led to people who otherwise wouldn't be doing this kind of thing. You know, you're the neighbor next door, maybe who, who bend over backwards and, and, and do anything for you to somebody who's like interrogating strangers on the internet to try to build up evidence to support his conspiracy theory or to, consp to support the conspiracy theory that he's bought into. Um, yeah. And, and, this is this is one of those examples of, you know, what happens when conspiracy theory hits reality, right? Like, you can when you're on the internet and you're you're talking to your, you know, friends who are like minded and they all are into this these theories and they're spinning them around. That's one thing, and it's you know it's kind of it's a bit like unreal. It's a bit like abstract, and because it's out there in just social media land. Um, but then when you have someone actually, you know question you or you know 
show this this bizarre attitude towards your sister's death that really brings it home that 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 conspiracy theory can have like real life consequences i mean i think of you know there's people out there who are there's websites out there where they talk about holocaust denial right they talk about um you know people show up in the holocaust memorial you know uh uh event or, or I mean, the guy showing up at at ping pong or comet ping, ping pong, comet ping pong, yeah. Or, or January sixth. I mean, I'm not saying that my experience. I mean, mine was a, you know, a brief interaction. Oh, absolutely, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. In my mind, actually, after I, you know, after I wrote a, a chunk of text that was about that that long, giving him, um, you know, telling him to stop, you know, listening to conspiracy theories and to go to confession and. <laughs> <laughs> and and to never do this to any whatever again um he you know he wrote sorry for your loss and you know he didn't apologize he didn't um, yeah but, but i think that kind of that kind of took him aback um and i i don't know that he knew i was related to my brother like i don't know if he knew that connection or if i just came across his his feed and he just felt like typing that but it's i guess it's like people who otherwise wouldn't do um something like that and 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 the thing is i think he was convicted that he was doing the right thing mm-hmm. like i mean he really thought he he's yeah. really um got this idea in his head that there's this that there's this vaccine conspiracy going on it's being fed by people like john henry weston and cardinal burke and um bishop strickland bishop Vigano and yeah yeah well, and you know and and, yeah. and i mean these are people that I mean, it's like, if you're a real strong Catholic, this is who you listen to. And I, I mean, and the thing that, I, you know, where Peter is, is started because these people, because regular people were buying into, I mean, the, I mean, there's no getting around it. It's like, these people are heretics. They, I don't know if they're deliberately lying. They might just be out of their minds, but they're telling lies. And regular people who, have not learned how to critically think or learned how to evaluate evidence or, I mean, if you even think, so it seemed, I mean, it seemed to me like he was trying to build up a case. Like he'd heard, you know, his yeah. final line was something like, um, death is the common denominator. And, and it's like, so he's leading with, I mean, the scientific method yeah, I guess there's a hypothesis, but there are conditions for testing that. There are conditions for, uh, you know, evaluating whether there's a correlation. And to him, I think he was just sort of gathering up anecdotes, thinking that, um, you know, the more the more anecdotal cases of people he could find uh, who who had had the vaccine and who had also died, uh, that that was somehow going to prove something. Um, yeah, it's it's really the opposite of the scientific method in some ways, or it's a you know a, a, a twisting of it where you come up with it's not even just a hypothesis; it's basically uh, a narrative that you fully believe, and then you try to find um, whatever scraps of evidence you can find in order to support that narrative. And there's always going to be scraps out there. There's always going to be reports of someone dying from the vaccine, or I mean, people people die after taking vaccines, it's common. Doesn't necessarily mean they died because of the vaccine. Um, even so, some like vaccines are not 100% safe. Oh, yeah. That's true. Like there are, we, in Canada, we had a, a couple of people who may have died um, from the AstraZeneca vaccine. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's why they actually are now discouraging its, its use. And I believe they've stopped its use entirely. But the number um, of people who died from the AstraZeneca vaccine the rate was much, much, much lower than people who died from the virus. Absolutely, yeah. It's 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 minuscule. It's it's minuscule. I mean, I remember somebody sending me some, you know, some article from a British tabloid early on when they were discouraging uh, the vaccine, and I think it was like forty people had gone blind after having whichever vaccine, you know, they were they were issuing out there, and um, I think the Moderna vaccine in in England, and. Okay, so forty people have gone blind, and like I looked up the number, and it was like one hundred and eighteen thousand people had died in the UK of COVID. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's like there's no. I mean, yeah, there are side effects. Vaccines do carry risk, but the but the yeah. thing is, it's it's like 
I mean, it's it's a Life very safe. It's, it's a very yeah. safe bet, you know. One, I it's mean, a very it's, safe bet, yeah. And and that's kind of the thing that um that I'm not seeing in the Catholic world. It's this disproportionate view of oh well, this you know um, people pushing these conspiracy theories or the idea that Pope Francis is uh you know some kind of secret agent or that the world is going to end or it's like take a step back and and look at you know what's what's the more likely scenario what's the more likely um truth yeah and and i mean a lot of these same people these are people who i'm sure um they will take their ibuprofen they'll take their heartburn medication they'll take you know whatever the doctors prescribe them all of these things come with risks well um, some of them but the funny thing is if they're convinced by rfk junior and Father Altman yeah. and Bishop Strickland, they might stop taking Tylenol. And you know potentially, I mean? I yeah. The, I mean, and it's, become uh, Christian scientists, right? Like with uh, where the, the, they don't take any any medication and uh, and and refuse medical care because uh, you know prayer will heal everything. And I, <laughs> at least I, I believe that's what Christian scientists I, I think um, that's a... t- tend to believe. Um, I, I might be misrepresenting them, but um, yeah, that's that's not what we're about as catholics um i mean we have to have some level of trust in in public authorities we can be skeptical we can be critical um but in the end i mean when i we're going to get to him in a minute but i when i heard father altman uh, talking about these vaccines and about how uh, the usccb had said they're um okay to take and um or they're morally licit to take um and and he was he was outraged that they would because like, they, they talked about how they had you know people have to listen to the government when it, or to health authorities when it comes to the actual safety of the vaccines because that's out of their um, yeah. their their scope of expertise and he was just appalled that anyone could ever listen to health authorities and take what they say seriously. He's like, well, how can you possibly trust health authorities? How can you possibly trust? The government at all with anything i mean and that that kind of just blanket um mistrust is i mean it's it's extremely radical it's um it but it goes far beyond any kind of sensible healthy um critical thinking well and it's amazing though i mean how 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 far people are able to get away with it i mean that's that's the funny thing you know it's like i guess he had asymptomatic covid um, he said it in, in his Patrick Coffin interview this week. So he mm-hmm. tested positive for the antibodies, but he had never shown any symptoms. And I think there's a fairly high percentage of, of people who had it who didn't have any symptoms. He said it was the Holy Spirit and God was protecting him because he was telling the truth. And uh, he never once feared. I guess they had. they must have had. I guess he would do the. I don't know if they had communion in both kinds at his parish because that's actually typically seen as a more progressive thing to do. And I know he had a, but he said he gave 60,000 communions and he would purify the vessels. And part of that process, priest rinses his, his fingers over the chalice, swishes the, the water, swishes water around and then, and then drinks it. And he said, I never feared a single coronavirus germ that entire time. And it, it didn't happen to him. So I guess it, it yeah, it's deal. one of these things. It's not affecting me. It doesn't seem to be anything that I can see, or you know, it's nothing tangible. So it must not be real, right? And uh, and it, I mean that that speaks to the the way in which you know I think a lot of us have become uh, you know isolated, especially like with social media and everything. We're we're sort of isolated in our own universes, and we really sometimes feel that if we don't see it, if we don't hear about it. Um, or you know if we don't experience it ourselves then it must be just you know something made up something imaginary um but we have to break free from that that notion well, and i mean the thing is it's like the part of being a collective i you yeah. know we're a collective society um you know priests do what they do uh theologians learn what they learn canon lawyers learn what they learn bread bakers have their expertise uh, people who science, you know, biologists, physicists, engineers. I don't know the the guy who who manages the the neighborhood fast food restaurant has his set of expertise. I mean, you know, but people get doctorates in certain things, and and 
that's how societies progress is through accumulated knowledge. So when yeah. people study something like epidemiology, the study of epidemics or public health or medicine or medical research or drug research, they are building on the accumulated knowledge of those who came before them in those fields. And part of the and part of the reason why we've had so much advancement in health and in technology and in science and in safety is because we as as a collective as as a society have put our trust in those experts i mean unless unless you're willing to to think that the whole thing is a grand conspiracy i mean climate change is another thing it's like you know people call climate change a hoax mm-hmm. and people always speak of this 97% plus scientific consensus that humans have a hand in in warming our climate and the thing is i can't analyze that data like i have you know i have a i have a bachelor's in english and a master's in publishing like i is somebody somebody threw the raw throws the raw data of of the climate samples that they've collected in front of me i can't you know i can't do anything with it I, you know i i saw a bumper sticker once it's like even if i knew your social security number i wouldn't know what to do with it like that's i mean it's like i i it's just like so things like the study of viruses and how they spread and vaccines and how they work and you know whether it's mrna or or the old kind of vaccine like that is beyond my expertise i have to in order to benefit from uh from society's accumulated knowledge in those areas i have to put my trust in the people who have studied that otherwise the the the, the social contract breaks down progress is halted and we probably all go to war with each other because we don't trust one another. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's the, as Catholics, we can have moral objections to things oh, yeah. that the scientific community is promoting or doing, you know, like when it comes to like abortion or it comes to in vitro fertilization, like all, all these things that well, even, you know, traditionally... even climate change, a lot of, you know, there are a lot of ethicists or people who promote themselves as, of climate experts who advocate for things like population control, you know, that would include widespread abortion and sterilization and contraception yeah. programs. Well, that's, a, I mean, that's against Catholic teaching. That's, that's when you go from, this is the scientific data. These are the phenomena. This is what I'm observing. And you decide to add, you, you decide to go with a solution based on uh, perhaps a disordered view of ethics. Well, yeah, in comes Pope Francis, right, in 20, 2015 with Laudato C. Okay, scientists, these this is what you found that you know, this is the um this is the consensus, this is what this is the natural phenomenon or man-made phenomenon that you that your research has concluded is happening. Now, mm-hmm. and that that's your purview. You that's that's your area science okay now that we have that data here's the church's response here's how the church is going to address what you have discovered the problem that you've identified like does that make i mean that makes sense right yeah that makes sense. i mean pope francis is he trusts uh the scientific community that they're not lying that they're actually um you know that they're are real experts they're doing real research that that is meaningful and um you know i mean there's always going to be Flaws in research, of course, of course, but and overall, change, but... yeah, and, and the the aim overall is to get to the truth when it comes to the scientific truth. Now, Pope Francis trusts them on that. What he wants to do is say, well, here's the here are the ethical implications, and like let's look at those, and maybe let's shape the discussion so that we can include this larger moral ethical framework um, within what you've discovered, you know, according to scientific methods. So, but. I think a lot of people think that, you know, because the scientific community, because we may have moral um, problems with what the scientific community does sometimes, that that means they must be lying. They must be all, you know, part of some great conspiracy. Um, that's that's not true. I mean, they can be ethically misguided, um, but 
overall, I, I, I've never seen any evidence that the scientific community is, is out to um, pull the wool over people's eyes and um, present, you know, just fraudulent information. Um, that, that's, that's not true. Um, but again, of course, you, you can't, like, you should, to be scientific, you have to be a bit skeptical. You have to be, you don't just look at one study, okay. you look at a lot of studies well, and, and you have to talk be to experts. And, which is yeah, kind yeah, of the key. yeah. I mean, that's the thing with the, with the, the vaccines cause autism theory from father, from uh, Dr. Uh, what was his name? Wakefield, um, the yeah. British, the British scientist. He produces this study that suggests that vaccine, that the, uh, that the measles, mumps, the MMR, rubella uh vaccine uh caused a higher likelihood of autism in children who received it well okay this was a groundbreaking study uh surprised a lot of people and what did scientists do they tried to recreate this study which created a media sensation it was just one study though and then scientists started to verify that information the, and and they found and they could not replicate his study, and then they discovered that it was actually fraudulent the way he obtained his data. I did a podcast almost a year ago with Pedro Gabriel, uh, mm-hmm. talking about HCQ when um, the mm-hmm. hydroquinone, hydroxychloroquine, or, yeah, hydroxychloroquine, yeah, yeah, that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and and there was that that guy who who swallowed the fish tank. Uh, Pill yeah, because you take the cleaner or something, yeah. But, but basically, what Pedro was explaining was that um, there was an initial study done on HCQ that that showed promise that it may reduce the symptoms of the um, of of the coronavirus, and that. But then there were a couple more studies that were maybe a little bit more extensive that showed that actually it was more harmful than it was good. And he said, this is something, you know, the scientific community does this all the time. They try out different, different drugs and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't. Like I know that um, for glaucoma, um, I have glaucoma and my mm-hmm. specialist was talking about it. And I actually watched a couple of lectures on YouTube. You know, a few years ago, there was an, actually an Alzheimer's drug um, that helped with um, the neurological system for the brain for people with, with Alzheimer's. And um, they and they thought, well, let's try to tailor it to glaucoma. Let's and they funded this big study with the hopes, because of some promising signs, that it would help the optic nerve. And ultimately, the the study failed. It didn't, you know, it didn't it didn't produce the results that they wanted it to. And then it it never went to market because it it failed the testing. And that's you know that's basically what happened with HCQ, except it became totally politicized. And, and that's then, part of the, the the slow movement of science that you know it, it, hypotheses are tested and and studies are are repeated and and you know it just the problem is it takes time right yeah and and one and I guess one last thing while we're still on this topic those of you who follow me on Twitter see me getting into back and forths with with a lot of uh, for lack of a better term anonymous trolls and. <laughs> You know, and I was kind of making some of these same points about the scientific community and about trusting experts. And he had this, what he thought was a snappy comeback about, well, the experts thought that the Titanic was great, wasn't going to sink. And, well, good point. The Titanic did sink. (laughs) Titanic sunk in 1912 because of the mistakes that took place during the Titanic. The entire shipping industry changed dramatically to the point where well, i mean one of the things was the titanic didn't have enough lifeboats for the passengers well that policy completely changed that that regulation was there they sent out uh ships to bust up icebergs because of this threat i think yeah. i i looked up the numbers i think since 1912 the year that it sank there have been fewer than 100 people in the entire history of shipping since then who have died as a result of their ship crashing into an iceberg i think there was and i think almost all of them came from like one uh like one tragedy i think a polish ship that sank in the 60s or something like that but like beyond that it was like okay it hit it hit an iceberg everybody got into the into the lifeboats and you know maybe somebody didn't make it along the way but it was you know the tragedy of the titanic was never repeated 
because the scientific community learns from their mistakes. And yes, yeah. when the mistakes happen, they're tragic. But yeah. we have to we have to learn from them. I mean, they do yeah. learn from them. Like, what did we do wrong? Move on. Exactly. Yeah. Just like we do in our moral life sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't we move okay. on to our... <laughs> sure. Our, the very closely related subject. So this is the subject of, of Father James Altman, um, who I'm sure many people are familiar with. He's the uh, the pastor of St. James the Less Parish in uh, La Crosse, Wisconsin. Uh, and, and as many people know, he became internet famous last year um, because of a, a video that, that, that went viral um, of one of his homilies where he was saying that one cannot be Catholic and a Democrat. So in that lead up to the election, that got a lot of publicity. Now, he's taken a very predictable course since then, um, I think. You know, people could see it coming. He's done sort of all the rounds at the the right wing Catholic outlets, and he's you can tell he's been getting more and more offensive in his rhetoric. Uh, it seems, um, and and he's become a bit of a folk hero, um, at least at least for right now. Um, but um, last week he was asked to resign um, by his his bishop uh, William Patrick Callahan. Um, so that's brought him even more into the media. Now he's got some big fundraisers going for his uh, uh, legal battles, I believe. Um, and um, yeah, there, a lot of people are talking about uh, Father Altman right now. So I thought we could maybe just dive into the this whole problem of Father Altman, but, but from a critical perspective. So, you know, asking questions like, you know, why is he so popular right now? Like, and what cultural forces have sort of created this this internet folk hero of, of father altman um what techniques does he use to appeal to his audience and then you know how can we disentangle what's true and what he's saying from the exaggerations and you know the ridiculous slurs and, and misrepresentations so because uh, i'm not saying that there are things that he says that i think are completely false um just outrageous um either lies or misrepresentations but he, he does also say some things that are you know in a broad sense kind of true so um we have to disentangle these these sort of things um so i wanted to ask you real quick because i'm just noticing sure. that my my internet connection is sort of on one bar am i coming through loud and clear or your your, your audio is coming through loud and clear your um your picture is kind of uh a little faded but uh okay. i think i think we'll be okay yeah. Okay. Let me know if I start because I can I can change, you know. Yeah, no, no worries, no worries. So I, I'm gonna propose anyway that, you know, I, I the way I see Father Altman is that he's really a product of a, a populist American Catholicism. And I should say maybe a North American Catholicism, because you know, we we have similar figures in Canada too. Um, like here where I live, we have uh, a priest, Father Mark Goring from the Companions of the Cross Community of Priests. He's a lot more subtle than uh, than Father Altman, but he's gained a huge YouTube following. Um, and he uses, I think, a lot of the same sorts of techniques. Um, so populism, I've used that term, and that's that's based on this distinction between the, the the idea of the people versus the elites right and it, it tends to be based on emotion rather than reason and it's i mean there's been a huge sort of populist revival going not just in the us but across the world in, in some respects um you know uh, american conservatism used to be defined like back in the bush uh bush and reagan eras it was more defined by you know nationalism and this sort of clash of of civilizations idea you know capitalist democracy versus communism or capitalist democracy versus islamic terrorism um and rogue nations and that sort of thing and now the new right-wing populism is, is is much more insular it's more focused on the the national and the local level and on in, the idea of like internal enemies so like the deep state or the deep church as archbishop vigano would say um so i think you know he's Altman is like a product of that trend. He's he's not. I don't think he's a particularly great, uh, you know, preacher. He kind of has an act that he does over and over again, 
And once you've seen his sort of act, there's not really much more to it. Um, so I don't know. What, what do you think? Do you see him as this sort of product like in the way that I see him? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, when I see him, I don't see somebody who's particularly articulate or, or somebody who has a, and I, I mean, I hate to come off as, as condescending, but I see somebody who gets out there, he knows to some degree how to work a crowd uh, or, or even he, he knows how to uh, capitalize on the, I guess, the internal angle and um, or the internal anger and um, fear of, of this crowd. I think there's a certain, he's very politicized, um, but in terms of talking about you know, he uses these terms like faithful and orthodoxy and truth. And he and and he's saying like good Catholics, faithful Catholics. But these terms have no connection the way he uses them to the Catholic Church. And I think it's that that unmooring. I, I don't know that he thinks about it that deeply. I mean, I, I don't really know about his his inner life. Um, there's a video actually that came out. Um, I don't know if it came out earlier today or, or you know, it came out two days ago, I think. But you know, he, I think he had a farewell party with his parishioners, and um, you know, I was reading some of the comments, and some of them were from his parishioners, and they were like, you know, we can call him, and he'll drop everything, and he'll be, he, he's there for us, and you know, he's a faithful priest, and he cares about the truth, and. And I mean, I think in a lot of ways it's it's unfortunate because he's got all this passion and all this energy, and he wants to do the right thing. Um, but like in this, in a couple of the homilies that he's given, and a couple of um, interviews that he's done, like he's botched some very basic tenets of church law of the of the creed. Um, you know, I sort of noted. He gave so I guess he was asked to leave last, you know, a week ago Friday, and he sort of gave this homily where he blasted the bishops and even blasted his own bishop. Um, and I mean, he was just going. I, I mean, I don't know. It was sad. He he. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought there, but. Um, well, you know, it's, it's like it's like it's like that passion is there, and and it's it's not. Yeah. Um, but it's, it seems so misplaced and so it has so bought into this propaganda. Um, it, it, there's a, what I was going to say, it, it seems like there's a malformation um, in seminary. Like actually he said, we learned in seminary and I don't have the exact quote, but you know, he basically said, uh, unless the Pope teaches infallibly ex cathedra, then it's just his opinion. Like that's, that's what he said. And and then he's like, I'll give you an example of an infallible teaching. And, you know, then he reads the dogma of the Immaculate Conception, the, the basically the state, the dogmatic statement. And he's like, taking abortion vaccines, that's not an infallible teaching, you know, and, and the crowd or the, the congregation <laughs> cheered. But it's, it's sort of like, yeah, but you just contradicted. I mean, they call themselves traditional, but number Item number 22 in the syllabus of errors of Pius IX, you know, one of their hero popes, is like one of the errors that's listed is the only thing that's binding on the faithful are infallible teachings. And here he's telling us that that's what he learned in seminary. Like either he didn't pay attention in seminary or he forgot what he was taught in seminary. But it's like he just taught his congregation a, a doctrinal error. Well, with, um, with with guys like him, though, you get this sort of attitude where he's he's rejecting this, like all of you know the intricacies of moral theology and what the popes have said and uh, all that all that sort of stuff, and he's replacing it with this kind of simple Catholicism, you know, just the simple truth and a sort of common sense Catholicism. Um, and <laughs> I understand the 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 need to do that, but what he ends up doing is creating this sort of Manichaean worldview, which is, you know, this dualistic worldview, which is very common among populists, this idea you have the good, the faithful, the holy, children the innocent, of the light, the children, children of, of the light, yeah, versus, you know, the the depraved, the decadent, the demonic, the, you know, that. And 
it's it's a very very powerful thing um and it taps into something that i think a lot of people want which is they want to be able to be on the good side fighting evil right like that's that's a you know a human need we want to like be out there like doing our best to you know smite the demons or whatever right um but unfortunately our normal daily lives are so much more complicated than that and morality is often so much more complicated than that um good and evil think, are intermixed a lot of the time i mean given your your understanding of history though do you think that people as a whole were much more complex than that in history or do you think that there are more demands on people today because of the the global nature of society i mean i don't know i i mean i just think of like yeah. saint john Vianney, you know running people out of church because they went to a dance the night before or uh you know the types of penances that, that he would give or i mean various saints that that really you know excoriated and condemned people um i mean maybe that worked effectively on the local level but it seems that you know when, when you get a whole bunch of them together and put them on social media or on youtube um <laughs> it, it, it turns yeah. out to be a global disaster because i mean i think the thing is like you know theologians and and philosophers and popes and you know high-ranking you know catholic academics have always added these layers of nuance but yeah maybe the run-of-the-mill catholic just isn't i mean i hate to say that you know it's like vatican ii empowered the laity vatican ii um you know with the with the decline in vocations the you know the the pastor has become sort of this you know, moral leader, theologian, catechist, you know, obviously you have lay people helping out, but I, I just wonder if, if, you know, it's something like we're, we're unprepared as a people. We are, we're malformed as a people to be able to see these distinctions clearly, or if we need better yeah. pastors or what the, I, I don't know what the, what I mean, the I think Catholics, is. Catholics definitely can be susceptible to this kind of thinking and it's happened you know at various times throughout history but at the same time it's also um something that i think just people in general can be susceptible to it's not just catholics i mean you know this sort of populist worldview came you know was was huge in the like early 1950s you know the joseph mccarthy era um you know that was that was all about just these blanket denunciations of all the communist infiltrators who were trying to destroy democracy, who were trying to destroy the American way of life. Um, and, um, you know, you, you see it uh, pop up uh, again and again. Um, and it's often, it's often tied to a sort of conspiracist uh, worldview. Um, and I, I think it, it often happens during, you know, moments of, great social change um you know moments when people are feeling a bit unmoored um they feel like their you know traditional ways of life may be uh threatened um a lot of people have said that the you know satanic panic in the 1980s which was a, a sort of populist thing unto itself um was the result of a lot of people um having uh, two parents in the workplace and so kids were often left at daycare centers mm -hmm. Um, and there was a, a sort of neurosis that developed around this idea of leaving your kid with, you know, people in daycare centers. So all of a sudden everyone was terrified that, um, you know, Satanists were infiltrating these <laughs> daycares and, you know, stealing children and that sort of thing. Um, but it, it, yeah, it responds to something that I think is genuine that I think, you know, we need to, we should take seriously. Um, but I, it's, it bothers me so much when you get someone like this, who I, I think is a, He's really a performer, it seems to me, because I, I listen to him in his interviews and you hear him switch between his sort of normal voice, his like conversational voice, and then his performance voice yeah. where he's, you know, he's it's making a very indignant voice, though. It's a very. Yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like whiny. <laughs> I mean, to it's, me, it's yeah, not whiny, it's, but. It's scary. Like it's almost like it's unhinged to me. Like yeah, it, it, like it's 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 like he's got so much hate inside him that it's almost he can you know like he's just about to explode. That kind of feeling, you know, when he's talking about these well, it's sort of cowardly bishops and the, you know anymore and yeah cowardly. yeah yeah. Um, I mean, he's even yeah, and and I don't know to kind of go back to that initial initial theme we were talking about with with the message that I got. 
from a guy who, you know, for as much as I can tell is a, you know, family man practicing Catholic who, you know, cares about the truth. Um, you know, there's this video that we'll show, uh, you know, a portion of, but it's like the, you know, these, they look like nice, normal Catholic parishioners, um, who have really turned, uh, Father Altman into a hero. Um, I mean, yeah. you can find this on YouTube. Um, it's, you know, the video is called oh, Father yeah. Altman parishioners react. Um, and it's just, just support Father Altman and what he's not just done, but what he continues to do and hopefully will continue to do. He's a man who leads by example and he leads by his sacrifice. And that's something any any father can really connect with. Um, and, you know, his his love for his his flock is very evident. Um, you know, if there's ever a time we need him, we call him, he answers. It doesn't have to be scheduled. Um, and he just does it out of the love of his heart. And so it, it is difficult to to see him be treated this way um, because he, you know, he, he loves his flock. And so, of course, you see life sight as the. Uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's so it's so interesting to see that because you know these these seem like pretty normal people uh, who are. And I think the thing is, there's the appeal of, um, what is a um, what's a devout Catholic, you know? And mm -hmm. and I think that's, I think the they've successfully been able to excise the Pope, you know, unity out of their, their impression of what a, you know, what a good Catholic is, what a faithful Catholic is supposed to be. Um, yeah. It's this sorry. idea of like a, a true Catholic, you know, stands opposed to, you know, all the trends of the time and, you know, stands on the rooftops and, and screams about, you know, what's, uh the the evils that are going on in the world um and <laughs> it i mean for one thing i don't think that's that's effective and uh, but for another thing it, it also ends up misrepresenting reality a lot of the time um and even when the stuff that he's talking about is true um to some extent there's a way that he i find there's a way that he exploits it for emotional effect so you know and, and and that like especially when it comes to the subject of abortion which is you know i think any catholic any you know person who takes the teachings of the church seriously abortion is going to be uh, a hugely important and emotional topic for sure and i mean that's one of the reasons why it's so controversial it's emotional on both sides of the you know the debate on abortion um now so it's not that what he says about the evils of abortion are wrong. I mean, abortion is evil. It's 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 wrong, um, but it's presented in a way that to, that to me seems exploitive, exploitative. Um, you know, it's it's a way to rile up support or demonize other people. So you know, you listen to popes speak on abortion, um, Pope Francis or, or John Paul II, and they convey a sense of the magnitude of the problem without indulging in that kind of rhetoric. Um, well, and, and with him, it's, it goes, it goes political too. I mean, he said, yeah. he's, I mean, I think in his, uh, in one of his more recent interviews or his recent homilies, that the democratic party, everything they stand for is contrary to Catholic teaching. Everything um, they stand for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was just a blanket, like, you know, in other words, an endorsement of the Republican party. And I mean, one of the yeah. things that um, becomes clear to anybody who studies Catholic social teaching, I mean, I have. A twin, a tinge of disgust for both parties. You know, it's, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> there's no. Um, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I guess there are other people who who are more emotionally invested in elections than I am, um, and that's fine. You know, um, but to me, it was sort of like I I can't get thrilled about either. You know, either candidate. I mean, the thing yeah. that disturbed me about Joe Biden was abortion. Um, there were a number of policies and hypocrisies, I think, with the with the Trump um, 
with Trump that that bothered me, but the biggest one of all was this abandonment of issues and thought in favor of conspiracy theory. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I it, it just, offenses to the truth, basically. You know, well, yeah, and it just astounds yeah. me that. Um, I mean, he really exploited it. I mean, they there, you know, yeah. there's an article. I think, I think Catholic News, News Agency actually dug it up because I think, I think they're a little bit, you know, they were definitely on the Republican side, um, but they were disturbed by some of the extremism. And I think when the mainstream Catholic Church didn't give Trump the type of unqualified support he wanted, um, there was a conscience, a conscious move made to uh, exploit the Catholic fringe. And, and yeah. you know, I mean, that's where Vigano and Taylor Marshall got pulled into the campaign. I mean, you saw all those people at the Stop the Steal rally. Yeah. Um, Catholic and I think and it was very cynical. Um, but basically what it did was it, take, it took people, it took people's sincere pro-life convictions. And granted, I think the Republican Party had been doing some work on them for a while at that mm -hmm. point. Um, but took their sincere pro-life convictions and made them radicals, yeah. you know, the, the whole election fraud thing. And, and really, but even before that, you know, the, you know, the QAnon tropes, the, um, all the conspiracies, I think, and to me, it, it's really cynical that these people would take, um, would basically warp you know, good people's entire concept of reality. Yeah. You, you know, in a, in a big way so that they would fill out the right oval on one day, you know, the right yeah. oval on a piece of paper. And, and they didn't, they didn't say, Hey, vote Republican. It's, it's, it's a good idea. You know, they could have argued for why the Republican party was, is more in line with Catholic values, but they, a lot of these people went for the angle. You can't, Vote, vote for vote like your Democrats. life depends on it, and then yeah. the election was stolen, and now you have people who are recklessly promoting um, anti-vax attitudes that are, uh, you know, promoting the idea that the, the that COVID is a hoax. Like the election's over, that 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 oval they didn't not they didn't get enough people to fill out those ovals, yeah. but the people who they changed, the millions of the people that they changed, have now had their senses of reality completely warped, you know, and for what? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, Altman is like, he's like a, a microcosm <laughs> of what happened with that kind of stuff. Right. Cause he uses a lot of the same rhetoric, you know, he, you know, I, I've always said like, you know, I, I think it's fine if people say, I don't think you should vote Republican or, or I don't think you should vote Democrat as a, as a Catholic, you know, fine. That's, you know, oh, and I can understand. Opinion. I mean, to me, but if you say, you know, it's a mortal sin to vote Democrat or if, you know, like that sort of thing, that's manipulation. And that's well, especially um, when the church doesn't teach that. I mean, the church doesn't, it's teach like, that. I don't, if you, if you hold your nose and you vote for somebody based on your um, Catholic convictions and it's just maybe your prioritization, maybe your Catholic convictions, maybe, I mean, maybe, you know, not every Catholic is super well formed, you know, maybe there's some mistakes in there or whatever, but it's like, you got, I, I mean, I guess the thing is, I don't find, I found people getting, um, like insanely furious. And I think it happened on both sides. It's like, how dare a Catholic? Well, it was funny because I would see a lot of people on the left saying, I don't see how a Catholic could possibly vote for Trump. And yeah. meanwhile, on, you know, in Altman's world, it was, you know, you're going straight to hell if you vote Democrat. And it's like, how yeah. is this even the same religion and why is it so centered around voting? Like, it, it, I mean, yeah. that's the other thing. It's like in order to be a Catholic in good standing, you had to fill out the right oval, you know, it, everything else and you that's... could serve the poor, you could raise your family, you could, you know, give all your money away. It's like, but if you filled out that wrong oval, well, then you're just a bad person. And that's where you see like that this, this it's, it's almost always tied to politics, this, this populism and it's opportunistic, right? So whatever comes along they'll they'll exploit that opportunity to create again this dynamic of the good and holy ordinary people versus the 
depraved elites, right? So um, when COVID came along, that was a perfect opportunity for them because they said, well, oh, this is great. We can say, you know, ordinary people, good Catholics, true Catholics shouldn't wear masks, shouldn't take the vaccine. Um, all these people like Fauci and, um, you know, the World Health Organization, they're all evil elites trying to control you. Um, and it sets up that, that dynamic again. Now, Altman is able to set up that dynamic with his own bishop in some ways. I mean, he said that he, um, he said that he, he actually respects his, his bishop. Well, he has one probably the most, the ten, one of the 10 most conservative bishops in the country. Yeah. And, and this is the diocese where that Cardinal Burke came from. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm not positive about the timing because I think, um, you know, Altman was ordained in, in like 2008 or 2009 and Burke left lacrosse in 2004. But that seem, it seems to me that <laughs> the window for getting accepted to seminary would be right around that time. Um, yeah. You know, so he's, I, he's extremely, extremely conservative. And I'm sure he, well, he actually said that, you know, it's not what, um, Father, one of his earlier statements, I think he said, it's not what Father Altman is saying. You know, there's some underlying truths here. It's the way he's saying it. Oh, you mean, oh, well, his current manner, Callahan. So. I don't, I don't yeah. remember Callahan's full, um, his full statement, but he, or his, I mean, his full background, but he tends to, I, he, I, I do recall him being fairly conservative. I think, um, I think he is, yeah. But speaking of but, bishops, there is one who falls into that outlier. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, you have yes. these conservative bishops. You have the you have more moderate bishops. I don't know that maybe one or two U.S. bishops might qual. I mean, people talk about Sue Fitch and Tobin and McElroy as being progressive. It's like I I don't think they studied the 1980s very well, nor do they know much about the you know the Belgian and uh, German the Episcopal. Yeah, these, <laughs> these guys mean, are these not. Guys, are not no. that progressive, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you don't have a single bishop in the U.S. A, a single, I would say, active bishop. There are probably a couple of retired bishops who yeah. you don't have a single one who is openly who openly says like it's okay to use contraception. Now, there's some yeah. who might be wishy washy on it. I, yeah. I'll grant you that, or who don't seem to make it a big priority. But that there isn't a single one that would come out and say that 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 you you shouldn't follow that. And I, I don't yeah. think people have any grasp of how, like, what liberal real and maybe and some are more tolerant and some let things slide. I mean, obviously, you saw that yeah. some bishops favored Biden and didn't stress abortion, but you wouldn't have a single one of yeah. them say that abortion is okay. Like, no, I, there, even I mean, I think, even even uh, Father Altman's great nemesis. He's the great nemesis. It seems of of all uh ultra conservatives james father james martin right even father yeah, martin I mean, is 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 resolutely pro-life right oh yeah and i mean the thing is it's like he i mean he walks the line and i don't know what his uh like his personal preference would be i, I have a feeling that if certain doctrines not abortion he's pro-life but i you know yeah. he might have a wishful thought that some doctrines yeah might i think change he, yeah. I mean, I think it's safe to say, but he's never when actually it, said when it, it comes to when it comes to homosexuality and things like that. Yeah, sure. Uh, um, I, yeah. But anyway, I, there's one bishop, though, um, in Tyler, Texas, who I I think is. Well, he's uh, Altman's one of Altman, uh, Father Altman's biggest boosters. Um, he tweeted in support. Um, Father James Altman is in trouble for speaking the truth. I originally supported him when he spoke bold truth during the election. I continue to support him for speaking the truth in Jesus Christ. He inspires many to keep the faith during these dark days. Let us pray for him. And I mean, you see all the retweets and quote tweets yeah. and likes. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. how. I, I mean, this, I mean, the funny thing is, it's like, so it's them versus the Vatican versus the um, versus all the other bishops in the United States. And I mean, this is the same bishops conference that's trying to pass a, a document on Eucharistic coherence. Um, yeah, I, I, I think on the Patrick Coffin show, uh, Father Altman went after Archbishop Gomez. Like, where were you six months ago or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It was like, now you talk and, you know, just get out, you know, and, and I mean, there should be any debate at all. It should just be, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But or or just sort of like, well, you should have been, you know, condemning 
people right off the bat. But yeah. I don't know. This is uh I don't know. Why don't you close us out? We're we're a little sure. Well, uh I guess you know maybe we can just kind of end off by saying watch out when when you're you're looking at these people and 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 hearing them and you know if they're talking about speaking the truth, you know, um and being persecuted for it, look at what they're saying. Look past these sort of markers like the truth or the good and the faithful and the you know, like, because uh, often it's very vague what they're talking about, <laughs> right? Like they're not very specific in, um, in, in, in doctrinal matters. Um, and they often vastly oversimplify the faith. And I think, um, you know, when you look at someone like Father Altman, he's a combination of like Trump and I'm going to get in trouble probably for saying this, but uh, like a Mother Angelica type, right? Um, and, and I'm not saying Mother Angelica is, is quite like that, but she she had that sort of populist mentality, right? The, the truth is simple. And if it's not simple, then it must be, you know, there must be something fishy about it. So combine that with, you know, this, this Trumpist mentality that you can use whatever situation that comes along and exploit it for your own advantage. Um, you're, it's a very potent and uh, you know dangerous mix. So anyway, um, yes, we'll we'll end end that end on that note. Um, and uh, so thank you everybody for for watching, and um, we'll be back next week with another edition of the Critical Catholic. And if you are a uh, if you enjoy the show, if you enjoy where Peter is. Um, Please uh, subscribe on Patreon. Uh, a couple of other things. Have a great Memorial Day for those of you in the U.S. Tomorrow, this is a holiday weekend, actually. And uh, this Thursday, Where Peter Is Live. Um, so talking to Rachel Amiri, we talked about kind of going on summer hiatus. So there will be two more episodes before we take a break. This episode, we are looking forward to having a special uh, celebrity guest so you won't want to miss it once i get it once we get it confirmed we'll announce it um and um beyond that god bless and take care <laughs>